Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. An Erio's original. And welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I'm Allie Siegel. I'm Melissa Stettin. And. And. Scene. That's all. (laughs) And scene. Goodbye. Uh, (laughs) Melissa, who are our patrons for today? We have. M. Anderson. Oh, from The Matrix? Is, yeah, Mr. Anderson. Hello, Mr. Anderson. Johanna Ooh. and Kara. Guys, welcome to the team. We are so excited to have you. And a potential Patreon perk we're thinking of. We haven't decided yet, but I'm pretty sure is when... Oh, the coins. Well, no, even more exciting is when Melissa is uh, on maternity leave... For guest hosts, we're thinking we might choose patrons. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, either they can hop in as guest hosts on my episode or they can write their own episode and uh, host and I'll be their guest hosts. So that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. So we'll announce it for sure this week on our mailbag episode. But if you become a patron... I'm pretty sure you might be able to be one of our guest hosts when yeah, if you have like an idea that we haven't done yet that like yeah you want to talk about or something it doesn't have to be like a full episode even if it's just like you know yeah like mini a episode or something mini episode or something yeah we can even compile a bunch of them for a main episode that's a great cool. idea yeah so we will we will officially announce that uh this week I'm so excited. I've never heard of what this is. I don't want to spoil alert it. Melissa, what's our episode about today? 
Well, this is, uh, when we like first started the podcast, this was like on the list of stories and I'm like, oh, this would be cool. And then I just forgot about it. And then my sister texted me. She's like, you guys should do this on the podcast. And I was like, oh my God, this is a crazy story. I forgot all about this. Yeah. And here it is. And so here it is. So here it is. So in February 1978, well before we were born, Uh five men headed from their home in Yuba County, California, which is, I believe, like a couple hours north of Sacramento. Yeah. So it's like Northern California. To watch a college basketball game. They left after it finished, and then they somehow drove up a mountain into the wilderness, and they were never seen alive again. Oh, God. Also, this is sometimes referred to as the American Dyatlov Pass. Which I love. Has a lot of similarities to it. Uh Uh-oh. And it happened right in our own backyard. But we were not alive yet, so we did not do it. We have an alibi. No, no, no. no. It wasn't (laughs) us. So what happened to these five men? Let's Let's get get into into it. it. Okay, so around 10 p.m. I think we get winded talking. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Strap in. So a basketball game ended at the California State University at Chico. Mm. Five young men who attended the game, climbed into a turquoise and white 1969 Mercury Montego. Nice. One of those giant yeah. long cars. And they drove out of the parking lot. They were fans of the visiting team, which had won. Nice. And they stopped three blocks away at Bears Market. Hmm. They bought one Hostess Cherry Pie. Oh, One Langendorf Lemon Pie. Ooh. One Snickers Bar. Classic. Mm. One marathon bar, Mm. which I believe is now discontinued. Oh. And then two Pepsis Mm. and a quart and a half of milk. You had me until the milk. Remember when people just buy milk and like drink it out of the corner? Insane. Psycho. Yeah, sociopathic. Uh, The men all lived at home. They were aged 24 to 32. You had Ted Weir, Mm. Jack Madruga, Bill Sterling, Gary Mathias and Jackie Hewitt. Hmm. They were all intellectually challenged and oh, they were no. all enrolled in a day program for, I believe the correct term is cognitively challenged adults. Okay. But that didn't mean that they were like totally unable to function in society. It was quite the opposite. Oh. So of the group, Gary Matthias. I think it might be Matthias. I I don't know. I know. I initially thought it was Matthias. Then I watched a video. Oh really? Matthias. Okay, never mind. Someone else said Matthias. Oh, interesting. Okay, who? who I uh, my instinct was Matthias, so I'm going to go with Matthias. Yeah, or go with uh, whatever you think. Go with what your heart says. Gary Gary Matz. Yeah. He he did not have an intellectual disability. However. He did have the most severe mental health issues. Mm. He was suffering from schizophrenia and was on medication to control his symptoms. Good. He had served in the U.S. Army and he had a driver's license, mm. but he was j- discharged from the Army because of schizophrenia. Oh, no. And he was on Stelazine and Cogentin, which are both used for schizophrenia. Um, and then police records show that he had become violent on occasion He was charged with assault twice. Hmm. And after his return from army service in Germany, he would fail to take his drugs occasionally. Hmm. And he would like lapse into this like psychosis. They usually landed him like in a hospital. Yeah. 
his stepfather, Bob, described it as he went haywire. Yeah, that's what happens is, you know, you're feeling yeah. good and then you, you stop taking you stop taking your meds. We've all and, been there. Yeah. I don't need this medication anymore. Yeah. Later, you're like, oh, I God. Die. Yeah. <laughs> I want to die. Uh, so there's Ted Weir. He was the oldest of the group. He was said to, quote unquote, lack common sense. Hmm. He was employed for a while as a janitor and a snack bar clerk, but quit at the urging of his family who thought his slowness was causing problems. Interesting. Um, Then there's Jackie Hewitt. He had a slight droop to the head, was sometimes slow to respond. Uh, He was BFFs with Ted, who kind of Ted looked at after him as like in a protective sort of way. Like when Jackie had to make a phone call, like Ted would dial the number for him. Oh, that's nice. That's sweet. They were like pals. Yeah. Uh, Then there's Jack Madruga. He graduated from high school. He had a very low IQ. Uh His family said he was, quote, slow in thought, and he had difficulty maintaining a job. He was laid off in November 1977 from his job as a busboy for Sunsweet Growers. Mm -hmm. So, like, they held jobs. Yeah. Um, And then there's Bill Sterling. He was Jack Madruga's best friend. He was very religious. He would spend hours at the library reading literature to help bring Jesus to patients in mental hospitals. Interesting. Okay. Love, love the Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So after the game, they picked up their snacks, but they never returned home. God. They disappeared. Oh, Jesus. But what's weird is that they were supposed to play a basketball game of their own the next day on February huh. 25th, like part of this tournament. And they would win a free week in Los Angeles if they won. Oh. So they were all like very excited for this basketball game. So it would be unusual for them to just not come. No, we're not going to come home. Right. Like their clothes had been laid out the night before. Uh, They each had a beige t-shirt with the words Gateway Gators. That's a good team. (laughs) The Gateway Gators (laughs) from the Yuba City Vocational Rehabilitation Center for the Handicapped, where they all played basketball. That's nice. That's fun. It's like the pistol shrimps. Yeah. (laughs) Their families reported them missing that night, and the police began to immediately search for them. And then on Tuesday, February 28th, which is four days after the disappearance, they found Jack Madruga's Mercury. Oh, they found the car. And then from that day on, nothing they found, nothing anybody told them seemed to make any sense at all. Oh, God. So the car was abandoned on an unpaved road near Oroville and the Rogers Cow Camp area up in the mountains at like 4,500 feet. And it was located around 70 miles from Chico. Huh. Which was like a two and a half hour drive from Chico in the opposite direction from the route that they would have been expected to drive home. How weird. So I believe it was south of where they were going, just a complete opposite direction. And it was up in the mountains in the Plumas National Forest. So that was already odd. Like, they weren't even driving home. They just kind of went in the opposite direction. Could they have wanted... Is it is the Plumas National Forest particularly beautiful? Like, could they have wanted to visit it or... It was snowing. It was winter Oh, okay. Yeah, so that doesn't make much sense. Yeah, so it didn't really make sense. Yeah. So the car had stopped at the snow line. They found the car and, like, the tires 
like kind of spun a little and like maybe got stuck a little oh. but they said the car wasn't really stuck at all like they said oh. five people could easily have pushed pushed it free mm. like it wasn't like stuck yeah. in the snow it was like oh you could have just shoveled some shoveled snow it, yeah the gas tank was a quarter full so they didn't run out of gas yeah one of the windows was rolled down and then four maps were found in the glove compartment so, so they, they kind of they weren't lost or anything yeah the keys were gone but the police hotwired the car engine, and it started immediately. So there wasn't any engine trouble. Problem, yeah. The car was fine. Both seats had the wrappers of the food that they bought at Bears. Everything had been eaten except the marathon bar, which was half gone. <laughs> Someone was like, mm, not, not for me. That's why I got discontinued. because yeah, yeah, not for me. I think it was like caramel covered something. I didn't even know it was discontinued. I feel like it was discontinued like in the 80s. Um, there was no damage to the car, no signs of foul play. It was as if they just kind of like stopped the car and got out. Uh, Jack Madruga's family said he disliked camping and he hated the cold. And he yeah. didn't know that road or area at all. So they definitely didn't do it for no. purpose or fun. Yeah. They said none of the boys knew the road as far as anybody could tell. Uh, they said like eight years prior, Bill Sterling had gone fishing with his father at a cabin that was kind of in that area, but he did not have fun. He, st- he oh. ended up staying home the few times that the family went back. He's like, I fucking hate fishing. I don't ever want to go back. Yeah, I don't ever want to go again. Uh, three years ago, Ted had hunted deer with friends in the Feather River County kind of nearby, but it was like pretty far west of where the car was found. And his family said that he wasn't really into the forest either. Like, no one was into camping. It's not a thing that they like to do. Um, And then, with the exception of Gary, who occasionally stayed out out all night with friends, each of the men had mostly stay-at-home lives. Like, they didn't go out. They didn't stay out late. They had... No one could figure out what or who might have taken them up that road in the mountains. It was just such a mystery. And then the search team found nothing after they found this car. For four months, there was no news. They were searching. They were looking everywhere. They found nothing. And then the snow started to melt. Oh, God. So on June 4th, a small group of motorcyclists spotted a deserted forest service trailer at the end of the road. Like, I'm assuming it's one of those, like, permanent trailers. Yeah. That's, like... In the woods, they noticed a broken window. And as they got closer, it smelled very bad. Oh, no. Oh, God. It was about 19 miles from where the car was found. Inside the trailer was the body of Ted Weir. No. So search and rescue teams then began combing the area around the trailer. And they just, they found Ted. He was laying on a bed inside the main 60-foot trailer, frozen to death. He had eight sheets had been pulled over his body and, like, tucked around his head, which they think means that someone else had been with him in the trailer because he couldn't have tucked himself in that way. That way, way, yeah. His leather shoes were off and missing, and there was a table by the bed with his ring that said Ted engraved on it, his gold necklace, his wallet that had cash inside, and a gold Waltham watch with its crystal missing, which the family said had not belonged to any of the five men. So it was like kind of like a mystery watch. 
Oh, that's weird. On this table, they're like, that's not Ted's. That's not, we don't know whose watch that is. So that's, that was a little odd. And before Ted went missing, he was five foot 11, 200 pounds. But by the time his body was found, he had lost like from 80 to 100 pounds. Oh, God. And his feet were badly frostbitten. And his beard had grown. So that showed that like he lived apparently for they predict anywhere from like eight to 13 weeks. Oh, so Jesus. He was alive for like what, two to three, two to four months, they think he was but like But the alive. car worked. That's so weird. Yeah. And yeah, he was 19 miles from the car. He was wearing just a striped velour short shirt and lightweight green pants, like very light clothes <sighs> for the winter. But yeah, his beard had grown. So they oh, were like, God. he was, he's been alive for a few months. They don't know how long, but he oh, was alive. Jesus. So the trailer had been broken into through a window... And what's weird is that no fire had been built, although there were matches in the trailer. There were like paperback books, wood furniture, the stuff that would have burned easily. They could have easily made a fire. Well, if they had cognitive impairment, maybe they just right. couldn't. That's the thing. Put it together. Yeah. And then a storage shed right outside the trailer. There was a year supply of sea rations. Oh which no! Are like, yeah. Individual pre-cooked prepared meals for the military. And they saw that they had eaten 36 of the meals. So someone was eating the food, but they left the majority of them untouched. What? And there was also a huge supply of freeze-dried meals. And one of the cans had been opened with an Army P-38 can opener which only Jack and Gary, who had served in the army, probably knew how to use. Like, it was a special kind of can opener that, like, you would only know how to use if you were in the army. That's so weird. So that makes them think that, like, either Jack or Gary was in the trailer with them, like, opening these cans. Very strange. And no one had touched the propane tank in another shed outside either. All they had to do was turn the gas on. And they would have been heated. They would have had food. What is going on? Yeah, I mean, it does kind of make sense that they were, like, impaired, so maybe they didn't. But, like, they weren't that impaired. Like, they functioned in society, I guess. I mean, I can understand if you don't know how to turn on propane. Like, I I don't think I would know. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, let's look for the propane tank. I'd be like, I don't know, what do we do? (laughs) Right, but that's confusing that, you know, if they starved to death and there were still meals there and they had started eating them. Yeah, that's confusing. Now let's take a quick break for announcements. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to video episodes, the potential to guest host, shout outs, merch discounts. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become one of our bimbo patrons. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we will shout you out. Sometimes we also read the one-star reviews, but please don't do that. Don't also, do it. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> also, Erios has a hotline. Insert jingle here. 626-604-6262. It has been popping off. Please continue to call us, then join the Discord and join the family. We will play them on our mailbag. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Now, back to our program. Okay, so then there's a guy named Joseph Shones. So this guy, Joseph, he contacted the police after he heard about the disappearance to say that he had seen the men between 11 p.m. and midnight on the Friday night that they disappeared. He said that earlier that day... Around 5.30, he was driving up the same gravel road to his cabin, and he was trying to see if the drive was clear enough to take his family up there for the weekend because it had snowed, so he was going to drive up there to make sure it was safe to take his family. Yeah. But his car got stuck in the snow, unfortunately, oh, God. so apparently it wasn't safe. Yeah. He was trying to push his Volkswagen Beetle out of the snow. He had a heart attack. Oh, no. And the doctors later confirmed to investigators that he indeed suffered like a very mild heart attack. So he didn't, it didn't kill him. Yeah. And there's a couple different versions of what happened next. So in one version, he, this guy Joseph was just laying in his car for a few hours, trying to recover from this heart attack, trying to figure out what to do. Cause he was eight miles from the nearest store. And at 1130 PM, which I guess would be an hour after the basketball game, he saw two sets of headlights coming up behind him. One was a car, the other was a pickup truck. He got out of his car to flag them down, and the two cars stopped about 20 feet from him, 
And then the passengers then left together in one car. Like they got out of one, they got another uh. car and they just ignored him. And then Joseph spent the rest of the night in his car before walking back down the mountain in the morning. That's, that's weird. one version. There's another version that's more mysterious is that while Joseph was in the car, just kind of laying there, he heard whistling noises and he thought what he, he saw what he thought was a group of men and women with a baby walking in the light of another vehicle's headlights. And then he called for help. The lights turned off and the whistling stopped. Like they were scared of him or something. What? And then a few hours later, he saw flashlight beams outside his car and he called for help again, but immediately the lights went out. So he's saying he was like laying in his car, like yelling, like help and like walking by with flashlights and they just like turned off the flashlights because they didn't want to be seen or something. Right. So he stayed in his car until it ran out of gas. He just had the heat on. Yeah. And the next morning he walked eight miles down to get help. He passed by Jack's Mercury on the way. He said it was empty and he said he didn't see anyone in it. He said there was like a window rolled down. So he for sure saw the car. He's like, yeah, it was a turquoise and white Mercury. What the hell? And then he didn't think much about what he'd seen until he heard about the disappearances. So he called the police and he was like, holy shit, I saw that car. And Yeah. So he's probably the last person to see them alive. So that's very strange. That makes no sense. Makes no sense. So then the day after Ted's body was discovered in the trailer, the searchers found the remains of Jack Madruga and Bill Sterling. Oh, God. They were on opposite sides of the road that headed to the trailer. They were about 11 miles from the car. So they were like halfway between the car and the trailer. Huh. So like, did they even make it to the trailer with Ted? Were they leaving the trailer to look for help? They don't really know. They had been partially eaten by animals. They were dragged 10 feet to a stream. Jack was laying face up. His right hand was curled around his watch. What? Bill was in a wooded area. And like his bones were scattered about like 50 feet. So like animals had kind of probably. Yeah, this is crazy. them after they died. So they don't know if they made it to the trailer and then they left to walk back to the car and then died. It's very strange. And then two days after that, just off the same road, but much closer to the trailer, Jackie Hewitt's father found his son's backbone. Oh, God. The detectives had tried to talk him out of joining the search. Yeah. Because they were like, they didn't want him to find his son. Yeah. But that's exactly what happened. He's like, I want to find it. And he's the one who found like his bones. Oh, gosh. So there were like a few other bones around and his son's Levi's and his shoes. Oh, no. It was for sure him. And then an assistant sheriff found a skull the next day. Oh, God. And the family dentist identified the teeth as those of Jackie Hewitt. Oh, no. So four men were found. Uh, His remains were a little north of the trailer, kind of like Bill's and Jack's. And the other northwest of the trailer, about a quarter mile away, they found three wool forest service blankets and two flashlights lying by the side of the road. And the flashlight was slightly rusted and had been turned off. And they, it was like impossible to tell how long it had been there. Mm. So it was just like Ted in the trailer, three men kind of around the trailer. Yeah. But Gary was still missing. And Gary is the one with schizophrenia? Yes. Interesting. Okay. But Gary's 
tennis shoes were found inside of the Forest Service trailer. Oh, so which the investigators think that he might have taken them off and he put on Ted's leather shoes. Yeah, because Ted had no shoes. Yeah, because Ted had bigger feet and Gary's feet might have swollen with frostbite and his shoes were probably warmer. But like that's they didn't they had no idea. That's yeah. kind of just what they assumed. So Gary had been working in his stepfather's business and he was taking his medication and a local doctor who knows him called him one of our sterling success cases. So he was doing oh. very well on okay. his medication. Uh, he collected army psychiatric disability pay. He was very attached to his family. He loved basketball games. He listened to the Rolling Stones and he loved Olivia Newton-John. Oh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it had a bunch of records. So the issue with Gary being on medication is that he didn't take the medication with him. Oh, shit. So yeah. after they got lost in the woods or whatever, like, just went a long period of time, just cold turkey off his medication. Fuck, yeah, that's, So you can yeah. probably assume he may have had another episode, schizophrenia. He probably wasn't doing that well. Yeah, fuck. John Thompson, who's a special agent from the California Department of Justice who had joined the investigation. He said it was very bizarre. There's no explanations. They had a thousand leads every day. They had more and more leads, but they just had no idea what happened. Uh, Jack Madruga's mother, Mabel, says there was some force that made them go up there. Yeah. They wouldn't have fled off in the woods like a bunch of quail. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going up there like a bunch of quail. <laughs> we know good and well that somebody made them do it. Yeah. Like, we can't visualize someone getting the upper hand on those five men, but we know it must have been. So Jack's mother is convinced that someone forced them to go up there. Uh, Ted Weir's sister-in-law said, they seen something at that game at that parking lot. They might have seen it and didn't even realize they seen it. What does that mean? So she thinks that they witnessed something that they shouldn't have seen. Oh, and they were like, that's what the sister-in-law thinks, which could make sense. Well, who like, was in that pickup truck? Like, what was that pickup truck? They don't know. So that's why the two sets of headlights could have been the Mercury and then a pickup truck. And that guy said he saw people get into one car. Yeah, I mean, so the pickup truck could have been someone being like, yeah. Uh, but I was like, maybe they were robbed or something, but the cash was still there. So that's what was weird. And all their watches and rings and things. So, ugh, God, that's confusing. That makes sense. Yeah. So the police did learn that a snowcat, a snowmobile, had been up there the day before they disappeared and had plowed a road leading up to that Forest Service trailer. So there was a path hmm. from where their car was, that road, going to the trailer in the snow. So maybe they, that was like, they found that path. Maybe they got lost up there. Someone followed, someone forced them to drive up there and they saw a path. They're like, well, let's get out and take this path. But also that doesn't make sense because they had gas in their car. So that's, I. Yeah. So the watch they found didn't belong to any of the boys, that like weird watch. They still don't know who it belonged to. It could have been a forest ranger's watch that was left up yeah, there. Yeah, maybe it was just left up there. So they don't really know. Uh, Gary apparently knew some people in the Forbes town area, which was between Chico and Yuba City. So maybe people are like, oh, maybe he was taking his friends to meet up with these other friends. Yeah. Like the turn was apparently easy to miss, so they could have made a wrong turn. 
But then they found out that those friends hadn't seen Gary in a long time, and it would be very strange of him to show up randomly at like, uh-huh. midnight. And they had the basketball game the next morning that they were all excited about. Yeah. So it would make no sense for them to go up there. Um, so why did they get lost that night and end up on the mountain? So Chico to Yuba City is straight down Highway 70 with like no snow at the time. It's a 46-mile drive, so it's like around one hour for them from them to leave the basketball game to get home. But the car was found several thousand feet up in an area above the snow line in a completely different direction. Like, why they? Why would they go in the complete opposite direction? That's like the first mystery. Like, were they forced to go up there? Did they get lost? I wonder if they were teased and like someone, some mean jock was like, there's a party up in the mountains. Like, go there. Like, we'll, we'll meet you there. And then they waited and like kept waiting for people to show and up. They got lost, maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that. I mean, it's a possibility. Who knows? Yeah. So what happened around this car? So the car was left unlocked. The window was down. Gas in the tank. Did they somehow leave the car and lose the keys? Because the keys weren't there. Oh. That's definitely so this, possible. So this could explain the strange story by Joseph Jones, where he said he saw flashlights around a car. Yeah. So maybe oh, they yeah. were searching for the keys. Yes. They were searching in the snow, and then they had been freaked out by his calls for help in the area. Like, they just heard some random person yelling, help, help, and they just kind of got scared. Yeah. I mean, that would kind of scare me, I guess, if I was, like, in the woods. And yeah, I think so, help, for I'd sure, like, yeah. No! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, it would scare me, yeah. But how did they end up getting to this trailer that's about 19 miles from the car? Because Ted was found on the trailer 19 miles from the car. Jack, Bill Sterling, Jackie Hewitt were found in the area but like, several miles away. So, like, how did they walk in normal shoes... Without outdoor clothing, yeah. so far in snow, like were the group together and then they decided to separate after Ted's death to try to find help? Like were they all in this trailer for like a couple months eating this food and then they're like, we got to get help because we're going to die out here. Yeah. And maybe Ted died first and they were like, oh, fuck, we need to get we need help. We need to figure this out. Yeah. Maybe. And why did Ted starve to death? yeah that doesn't make sense still there like he apparently had a slow and agonizing death from starvation because he lost over half his body weight jesus christ so he was alive but why wasn't he eating the food oh god like had the group been abducted and the perpetrator was like preventing access to food or something was ted suffering from gangrene caused by frostbite maybe he had like an infection maybe and then why would you abandon a car to go out into the forest at midnight? Like, why would you be like, oh, let's leave this car that still has gas, that's still working. Let's go walk off into the snow. Yeah, that, that makes no trailer. sense. And like, why drive all the way up there in the first place? Did someone chase them? Yeah, it does not add there? up. And then what were the whistling noises and the voices that that guy Joseph Schoen's heard? Even like a fire, like they didn't even build a fire. Why did, were they afraid of something, someone yeah. coming to find them? And the investigators can't prove there was foul play and they can't explain if there wasn't. So they don't even, and they don't even know if Gary has died. That's they what's never so crazy. They think he did. 
they because th- it's been like what forty years, and he was like in his twenties. He could still be, still alive. be alive. Yeah, he could still be alive. Still be alive out there, and they'll probably never find him. So there's a theory Ooh. that perhaps after they got lost. The first two men died of exposure while the other three made it to the trailer Mm. slash cabin. They hang out a while. They're doing all right. But at some point, Gary's schizophrenia medication wears off and he has like a mental break and he runs off into the woods. Mm. And then Jack tries to find him and he gets lost in the snow and neither men make it back to the cabin. Oh, God. Ted, who's alone now and intellectually challenged, doesn't know what to do or how to save himself. So he just kind of waits in the bed and like wraps himself up in blankets and eats some of the canned food and waits for people to find him. And then eventually just dies from starvation. I mean, and it's I think at some point when you're alone, you might just lose your will to live. Yeah. Or did all the men make it to the cabin? They eventually set off to find help and then died. And did Gary stay behind to help Ted, who had gangrene and frostbite on his feet? That kind of makes the most sense to me. Yeah. That all five of them would make it to the cabin. And then they just kind of hung out there and ate food. And then three guys went off to find help. Their bones were found. And they yeah, just that does make like sense. froze to death or but they like- weren't wearing warm clothes but what were they doing in the first place that's i mean Why unless they, they want to in the first place unless they want to like go on a nighttime a night adventure or something but if they but all they hated basketball game the next day yeah and it seems like they all hated camping and the snow and things like that so it just doesn't make sense i think someone told them to go up there or yeah them up there oh gosh this is horrible I don't know. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. Um, a big mystery. If you are from this area, have any ideas, have heard of this case before, or have your own theories, Melissa, where can people reach us? You can email us at a webcrawlerspod at a gmail.com. Well, guys, another great episode in the books and look forward to our mailbag episode this week with our special Patreon announcements about Melissa's maternity leave. Maternity leave 2022. Maternity leave 2022 (laughs) and the potential opportunities on what Melissa's pregnancy might mean for you. Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> I am Allie Siegel. Uh, I am Melissa Stettin. And we are the Web Crawlers. Bye. Bye. An Erio's original. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe 
ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 